I love this series that we're in. I am so thankful for our church. I'm thankful that we get to gather together and just, like, what are we doing here this morning, right? Just worshiping God. Just saying, God, we love you. God, thank you. Um, we get to see brothers and sisters and you know, hopefully eventually we'll be able to high-five and hug each other like unlimited again. And for those of you who don't like hugs, I, w I won't mention Matt Sanders in the room. You know, he's super thankful for this time that we don't hug as much. No, <laughs> kidding, kind of. No, I'm, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful for each of you. I'm thankful for what God is doing in your lives. I'm th like, it is obvious. It is so clear to see who God's moving through, who he's loving through, to see you guys active in our community, in our church. It's both in, right? It's the church and our community. So divine direction. Last week, we talked about trusting the process. We were in Acts 20, 22 through 28. Let me read that as a reminder. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. This is the Apostle Paul. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. So we, we, took a, we took a vote last week, like who's ready to go to Seward, Alaska and share the gospel, right? But when you get there, you're going to be put in jail and you're going to be beat. Like that, that's what comes with it. And Paul, like Paul knew that. And he said, I, I'm going anyway. Like because kind of like what John, what John described this morning, once God becomes real in your life, once he's so real that you like trust him with anything you'll trust him with your own family you'll trust him with your life you're like I'll, I'll do it just just point the way I trust that you're going to work it out for your good I even had a, a friend of mine remind me last night Larry trust the process <laughs> it was an interesting exchange before that phrase came out and so this series is for me it's for our church it's for, it's for us to say, God, please point us to your word. Please, Holy Spirit, move through us and confirm in us what you call us here to do. That's last week. Trust the process. This week, divine direction titled Stay With Him. Stay with Him. So last week, again, Hebrews 11.6 is in without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Right? What were the four things? Certain uncertainty. Following God means this. There will be certain uncertainty. There will be, hopefully, the Spirit's prompting. As we follow Christ, the Spirit literally prompts you and says I, you, he's either letting you grieve, you're grieving the Spirit, or he's affirming you, and he's saying, yes, keep moving forward in this. There's predictable resistance. There will always be resistance against those who are following Christ. Like, for those families that were baptized last weekend, we prayed for protection for them. We prayed that God get a hold of their whole mind and hearts during this season. Because I know without a doubt, and I'm not one to speak of it often, that once you step on the God's path, and once you say, I'm in, just like Paul described earlier, there's going to be resistance in your own family, in your own life, in your own marriage. Like it's, it is times 10 comes after your mind and your heart. There's spiritual resistance. And then this last thing, but because of Christ, because of what he's done, 
the battle's already won. We can have uncommon confidence. Like we can have uncommon confidence in him. It doesn't matter what the resistance is. It doesn't matter what he's called you to do. Like even if the fear is great within you, as some of you have said to me, Larry, like I feel like I'm supposed to take this next step. I feel like God has prepared me for it. And I, I, I'm pretty sure it's what he wants me to do. But I am scared to death. And I love that. You know why? Because that's right where he wants you. That's right where he wants you. It's not the absence of fear, right? It's stepping forward in faith. And that's exactly what we talked about. For those of you last week that signed up for the fight team or the flight team, like remember that? Like what's our human nature? What's our flesh want to do? Sometimes when we, when, we get, when we meet resistance, we either want to step in and fight. That's my personality, by the way. I put the gloves on and I say, let's go. Let's get to the truth, right? The truth and love. Or I've had some of you admit to me this week, Larry, I'm, I'm more the flight. Like I'm running for the doors. I don't want conflict. I don't like that. And it's okay because that's us. But it's not about fight or flight, guys. It's about faith. It's about stepping forward in faith. So this week, turn to your Bibles, John 15, 1 through 17. I love this scripture. John 15, 1 through 17. Let me read through it first. I am the vine, the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean, this is Jesus speaking to us, because of the word I've spoken to you. He's talking to the disciples right now. Think about, they've been walking with him. He has been pouring into them, which is why I love Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's literally Jesus talking to these, to these men as they're learning what the kingdom is about. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me or abide in me, some of your translations say, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. And verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I love, have loved you. Now remain in, me, in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his I have told you this so that, you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. In this last part, this is actually the part that jumps out at me. Christ says, Jesus says to his disciples, he says it to you, to you and me today, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants 
because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit and fruit that will last. He's talking about eternity. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command to love each other. So I love what he's saying here. He just got through telling the disciples in John 14, he just got through telling them that I am the only way, like I am the truth, I am the light. He is speaking to both religious people and also these new followers of his, and he's saying, guys, I am my father's son. I am here on this earth, and I am real, and I am the way. I'm the only way. And then he transitions to this new parable. He's talking about the vine and the branch. And he's talking about God being what? The vine dresser. Jesus is the true vine. In that context, in that day, people were waiting for the lineage of, right, of David, right? They were waiting for the lineage for God to be born, for the prophecy to be fulfilled. And in some way, he's actually speaking to the answer of this fulfillment. He's saying, I am that. I am the king. I am the guy who you're waiting for. He's essentially, he just has just revealed himself as the real Christ, the real God. Jesus is the true vine. He says, I am, in verse 1 again, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does, not, that does bear fruit, he prunes. The Greek for this word prunes also means cleans, so that it will be even more fruitful. So I was doing a little bit of research this week. I've been talking to Myra since we moved here because of the climate. Would we be able to have like a successful hydroponics operation, right, in our basement or in the, in the downstairs where it's a little bit heated? And if you guys have ever seen hydroponics, it's gardening year-round through water. You don't need soil. I think probably the most expensive part is the electricity and the nutrients that you need to put in the water and your time. Like it's a pretty time-intensive process. And so I've been asking her and showing her some things I'm finding online. Like, here's a hydroponic system. Like, but how cool would it be? Like, I found a few photos of vineyard. Like, I wonder if other than lettuce and kale, right, I wonder if we can actually grow a vineyard in our garage, you know? So this time next year, this is my goal. You guys come over. We'll do some grape smashing, right? We'll, like, walk around in the garage. We'll smash some grapes, and we'll maybe make some wine. One of the answers to prayer that I shared with you I met a lady this last week. Her name is Robbie Townsend Vennel. And Robbie is, I believe, she now lives in Colorado. And so I've been praying about, Lord, I just want us. So Robbie and I struck up a conversation. They're actually looking for someone to help get the word out about these hydroponic systems out for the remote villages of Kodiak. And they're asking for someone that has a little bit of knowledge in social media and marketing. And I, I told Myra this week, or last, two weeks ago, I said, it's an answer to prayer. Could our church in some way be the hands and feet to help establish these systems all over in remote villages on our island? You know, could we be a part of that? So the question is, I don't know. I don't know if God's calling us to that. But I'd say it's something we can pray about, right? I think we've, people in our church have helped them with fisheries all over, all over the island 
this self-sustaining model for growth. And guys, like I'm in this, I'm in this John 15, 1 through 7, literally reading about how Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. God is the vine dresser. Like he's preparing us for this work. And he's saying, buckle up, hang on. I'm going to do some work through you that you never imagined. And this call comes in. And an invitation to go be a part of a team that goes to the remote parts of Kodiak, right? Bizarre. Like incredibly bizarre and awesome. And I don't know what God's doing in it. But I will ask our church to be praying about it. What would our role in that look like? Jesus is the true vine. We must be rooted in him if we will bear fruit for God. It's in the new covenant. He is the new covenant in, our, in this community. He's our first identification. Jesus Christ himself is who we identify with first. It's not in Israel anymore. It's, it's not even in the church. Like, it's in Christ first. And when we identify with Christ, we are the church. Like, it's, it's a secondary thing. Do, do, we, do you guys understand that part? It's secondary my walk with Christ, him living in me, abiding in me, and me abiding in him is primary. I'll say it this way. Does the sun rise and fall on our works? Does the world spin around the sun on our works? Do the tides and the waves happen because of us? Like none of that does. But the God of the universe walked on this earth and he says, abide in me. And I will abide in you. And together, like first and foremost, I want all of you. I want your identity. And I will direct your steps. Verse 2 says, he cuts off it. And this is the part that we don't like to read, but we're going to have to read it because it's in God's word. He said, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So how many people feel like this year has been a little bit of a pruning or cutting off, right? Right? Like, I've had plenty. Like, I have been humbled more than, more than I could wish for. So we know what cutting off means, but let's look at the Greek word for pruning. This Greek verb is also known as aero. And what's amazing about aero, it's, we think of prunes as cutting and snipping again. This word is actually meaning more about it's cleaning the branches. And the master vine dresser, it's not really cutting off the pruning the way we're thinking. He actually is lifting the branch off of the ground up towards the sun is what this Greek word means. This Greek word aero that they're using for prune actually means to lift up. And that makes more sense to me because, he, because the vine dresser wants us to be more fruitful. I think he's constantly trying to pick our heads up out of our own like identity crises and out of these idols that we carry around and out of this agenda that we think we need to have. And he's saying, no, no, no. Like, I'm trying to bear fruit through you. And he's going to lift our heads up through his word and say, pay attention to what I'm doing. It's not about what you can do. It's about what I'm doing. There is an alternative understanding. This comes from James Montgomery Boyce, if you want to see the, the actual in-depth study of this Greek word. The Father lives up, lifts up unproductive vines off the ground, and those caring for the ancient grapevines made sure to lift them up off the ground 
that they might get more sun and bear fruit better. So here's the encouragement from the word today. Let's, let's look up. Let's literally look up. When our minds are full of chaos and negativity and criticism, like the human mind, for whatever reason, some scientists have said it's, psychologists have said it's a survival of the fittest mechanism. We tend to gravitate towards the negative, and we tend to, like, operate in the fearful because we think something is endangering this thing that I hold precious and valuable. And I think God, that's why he says so much in Scripture, do not fear. I am at work here. Do not fear. Be courageous. In this scripture, I be- literally, I think he's trying to say, lift your head up a little bit. Look what I am doing. Lift your head. Lift your thoughts. Let's lift our words towards one another. So I get in trouble with this all the time. How many people speak here before they mean to speak and then they wind up having to ask for forgiveness? Like a lot. I'm an external processor. And I had a friend recently who's a counselor say, you know that thing you want to say when you're mad and you just really got to say it? He said, don't say it. <laughs> like, like, don't say it. And 50% of the time, I've caught myself. And I'm like, all right, good. I made it to that one. The other 50% of the time, I'm like, dang it, I just said it. And then I have to go back and say, forgive me. I was being a bonehead again. Let's lift our thoughts. Lift our words. Let's hold each other accountable to building each other up. That's what the vine dresser is trying to tell us to do. Let's not act out of fear and try to control or tear down. Let's build up and say, hey, great job. Hey, like I see the Lord working through you. Hey, I see Christ literally working through you right now. Last weekend, watching our two families, the DeSalles and the Pritchetts, take that step of, of faith towards baptism. Like, I see Jesus working through you guys. Like, I, my head was so lifted up last Sunday, like watching that and seeing God move through you. And even looking into the future, how God wants to use your stories to change others. And get other people's attention. I had several calls this week saying, Larry, that was amazing. We need to share more of our stories, how God's working in our lives here. I'm like, amen. Absolutely. It is so powerful because what? Because it becomes real. It becomes real. John 15, 4. Let me keep moving. Remain means abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. This is Jesus again talking to the disciples, talking to us. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Like who knows that to be true? Like in our own lives, when I'm level 10 and I see God at work and I'm like, Father, thank you for what you're doing. I am so full of joy. That's when what Galatians says, right, the the fruits of the Spirit, that's when they're real. When I'm abiding in Him and He's in me and I'm joyful and I'm peaceful, even if somebody, like, clocks me, like, with an uppercut, I can look at Him and go, God loves you, right? And turn the other cheek. But when I'm not, right, it's more like it's me on my worst day. Let's abide in Him. He finishes and says, for without me, You can do nothing. 
abide in me and I in you. Jesus emphasizes this is what's amazing. And this is what I mean when I say it's not about religion. It's about relationship. Jesus emphasizes and said this is a mutual relationship. It isn't only that the disciples abide in the master. The master also abides in the disciples. Something of this is a close relationship is also described in the Song of Solomon 6.3. It says, I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. Like it's, this is, guys, this is like marriage is more than just be fruitful and multiply, even though that can be the fun part, right? Amen, guys? It's like marriage is like actually a symbol of abiding in one another, right? It's not a contract that says, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. Like even Jesus and his church, it's another symbol of abiding in one another. It's like, no, I will abide in you and you abide in me. It's literally 100% for each other. And that's why I say, guys, sometimes religion is so dangerous because people, we miss this point of what it means to actually walk in obedience, abiding in Christ and in his word. Because it's, it's, it's really, really simple. You know, I even shared several weeks ago a, a a new friend in one of the coffee shops says, Larry, tell me how this whole church thing works. Like, I don't, I don't understand totally. Like, I believe there's a God, and I know we go to church because we, you know, we're singing for him, and we're learning about him, but I, like, I don't know what else you're doing there. Like, how do I do it right? I think was the question. And I'm like, oh, wow. And I remember I commended you guys, and I encouraged you, be ready to be able to answer that question as you're turning wrenches on the C-130, right? As you're plugging in the new, the new wires on, on a new you know, piece of equipment, as we're pouring another cup of coffee, or like be ready to answer the question, how do I do this church thing right? Like how do I follow Christ? Like what does that even mean? I think the best way is to share is like what John shared this morning. Here's how he became real to me. And I don't know, but I just said, I, I believe you, and I'm all in. You have my attention. Abide in me, and I in you. Jesus used this picture to assure his disciples of the continued connection and relationship, even though he was about to depart them. So Jesus was, a, and this is, like, this is key, guys. He's about to go to heaven. And he could have stayed here and kept leading his church, Right? Like, he was the resurrected Christ. He could have kept leading his church. He could have stayed at the helm, and he is in a way. But he said, you will do even greater things because I am sending my spirit to live within you. And it is phenomenal. That's what discipleship is. That's what multiplication is. And think about when he says again that he cleaned. You are clean because of me. The scripture literally means Jesus was walking with his disciples, and he says, you have my word. Like, I've washed you in my word. Our Father's word, you've been washed with it. Like, it is in your mind, it is in your heart. You've seen it in action. Follow me, right, as I follow Christ. J.M. Boyce says it this way. When our Lord says, abide in me, he's talking about the will, right? Our mind, our emotion, our spirit, the will. This is what God's after, about the choices and decisions we make, we must decide to do things which expose ourselves to him, 
or I would say reveal ourselves to him and keep ourselves in contact with him. This is what it means to abide. So a prayer is not is not the absolute end all. The prayer is the first step, right? How do I know that I'm following Christ? And it goes beyond the prayer. It's then obedience. Right? There's knowledge, which is why it's scary to be a teacher sometimes. And I'm, I'm learning how to be a teacher, by the way. Thank you for the grace. There's knowledge and information. But you know what wisdom is? Wisdom is actually walking in that knowledge, like living it out. That's abiding. So this isn't meant to be mere knowledge. It's meant to be literally something that washes through us. You remember when Christ said living water? Like I am the living water. And I want you guys to have that. So a key in this as we wrap up is acknowledging our dependence on him. The cool thing about this is if you pay attention to it, God is always letting us know, okay, Larry, you might not have it right again. Are you really depending on me? I've got something for you to do. Are you ready to take a step in faith and trust what I'm doing? Acknowledge our dependence on him. And then this last part, apart from me, we can do nothing. Like, and I'm smiling about that because literally I think I get a daily reminder. Apart from him, like I can do nothing. And every now and then he allows us to just slam flat up against the wall and realize that reality. What's cool is what sometimes I tell people, hey, you can go 100 miles an hour and hit that wall or you can go two miles an hour and hit that wall. You're still going to hit the wall. So maybe we decide to go two miles an hour and hit the wall and realize, Jesus, we need you. Versus 100 miles an hour. Because which one would hurt, hurt a little more, right? We need, you. we need him. We need him in our, our own walk. We need to experience him. We need him in relationship with one another. That's our connection. We need him to influence others. Like you wonder sometimes, how do, how, how do I point people to heaven? Like just, just let them see Jesus in you. You will influence their life more than you can imagine. And we need him to multiply. Just as he's shown us, I have come so that you can have life and have it to the full. Therefore, go and multiply. Make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey, right? Abide. Everything I've commanded you. And surely I, Jesus, will be with you until the very end of the age. Father, we love you. We are abiding in you. And that is my prayer for every man, every woman, every child that calls themselves Christ followers, that step through the doors of our church. Father, those that you call us to be sent to, out to in our community to encourage them in you, Father, to even maybe share your son for the first time. Let them see Christ in us. Let us walk with him this week, even in a week of thanksgiving. Let us remember him and say, Father, I thank you for your, for your son. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for being with us. It's your name we pray. Amen.